Hello. Hello, Ahmed. Hey. How are you doing, Imran? How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Cool. So this is uh, Islamabad Rock City's uh, first podcast, and uh, we're going to be talking about Vital Signs, uh, Volume 1. Is that the right uh, <laughs> name for the album? Vital Signs 1? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's what they call it, Volume 1. Awesome. It always reminds me of like uh, Led Zeppelin Volume 1. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let, let's, get, uh, let's get into this. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll start uh, maybe with a few questions for you, and then uh, we can flip it around. Sounds good? Yeah, yeah, sounds excellent. Yeah, let's start with you, and then I'll we'll move to my questions as well. Awesome. Um, so I guess the uh, first question for you is, uh, what are your early memories uh, of listening to this album? Um, uh, which songs you came across first? And, uh, you know, maybe the place you were when you heard it or the country or whatever, you know, whatever your first yeah. memories are. Um, the first time I ever heard Vital Signs, actually, you know, the very, very first time was summer of 87. Wow. And at the time, they had done the music video for Dil Dil Pakistan. And I was in Pakistan at the time, near August 14th, when that song came out. And they did the first video. And I, I had vague, vague memories of watching that particular video. So for me, it was like 1987. That's the first time I ever heard of it. And then the album itself, I got in 1992 or 1991. Yeah, 1991. So about like two years after, I suppose it came out, right? Yeah, yeah. Nice. And that's when I yeah, and that's when I heard the entire album in its entirety. Awesome. And uh, what were your first um, impressions? I know impressions kind of change with age and time. Right, you, right, right. Yeah. Do you remember like your first impressions as a kid, and then maybe moving on? Uh, you know, when you got older, uh, how they changed or. Did it just, maybe they stayed the same. I don't know, but uh, that's just a question for you. Like, yeah, uh, as a child, you know, it was like pop music. Um, had a bit of a Beatles slash emo kind of feel to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, there's a, but I guess the now looking back, the Bizarro nationalistic songs. <laughs> because you, yeah, because you know, me and you both grew up. We grew up listening to English rock. Right. So right, yeah. you know, like English and American rock. They don't really have nationalistic elements to it, and if you li and if there is a song with a nationalistic element to it, I'd be kind of weary of it. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Man. I mean, that yeah. that Dil Dil Pakistan song was uh, people joke. It's like the second national anthem, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was a good song. It's just this, uh, but now looking back, that's the only that's the only difference. Otherwise, though, all the pop elements are just beautiful, really masterfully done. Yeah, like absolutely masterfully done, and I think it's um, you know, is uh, the production was Royal Hayat, right? Like he's also the uh, yeah. keyboardist, right? Right, and uh, Shoaib Mansour as well, who uh, wrote some of the yeah. lyrics. Yeah, yeah, and he wrote some of the lyrics, and I was impressed because you know the first album he ever listened to was um, Pink Floyd's "The Wall," ah. and I kind of went, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it back to you. It's like I never heard the wall like in its entirety, right? So I listened to it through You're, its entirety. Like yeah. you know, you hit hear the hit singles on radio. That's interesting and, uh, because uh, my yeah. wife was mentioning recently that um, they were really into Pink Floyd, and uh, 
one of their songs, I think not on this album, but on another album, was very heavily inspired by that whole sound. So that's interesting. But yeah, carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So, I, I mean, did you hear anything like that in the album itself? Uh, honestly, I haven't heard a lot of Pink Floyd. I know The Wall. Right. And I know a few songs. I've heard Dark Side of the Moon. But right. Kind of. I mean, for me, it's different. Um, I kind of uh, see them as uh, more like the Smiths because the melancholy and the irony in some of the lyrics. Yeah. And the guitar. But I'll get to that later. But I don't want to kind of uh, ruin your flow. But um, no, 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 no. It's no, it's all right. It's all right. And I actually wanted to hear your your uh, your uh, opinion about it because I thought that would be very interesting. I want to see see if he heard anything like that in that music. And he didn't hear it, and neither. And you're right, absolutely right. I didn't hear it either. And it's so amazing that you compared it to the Smiths, yeah. Because there are so many elements of the Smiths in Vital Signs. Right. It's like um, pop, but it's the songs are not always happy. Like a lot of them are melancholy, kind of bittersweet, right. you know, sad songs. Yeah. And then um, uh, my next question for you, which actually kind of uh, segues into the next question, is. What do you think of uh, Junaid Jamshade's voice? The, uh, throughout the all the albums, or just Vital Signs One? Uh, let's stick to Vital Signs One, I guess. Yeah. Right. Uh, the first, you know, to be um, quite honest, I liked his voice. I thought his voice mm. was just so perfectly timed. Um, there's a uh, there's that song. Um, what's it called? Tum Mil Gaye. My favorite right? song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same here. My favorite song too. Oh, awesome. And yeah. like. You know, like, if you listen to it, like, he's singing the song, and then, like, I think it's, like, the bridge to chorus, and he goes, ah, oh, like that, just that, ah, <laughs> oh. I was like, oh, my God, that blows my mind. Yeah. It was just a well-crafted pop melody song, and he just, the way he inserted that in there, I was like, that's so original. He just went, he created his own element. So, yeah, I would say that in that, in that he was... He was finding his voice. If you look at it in the entire career of his albums, yeah. but if, in that in that initial album, he kind of like trusted his gut on that particular song, and he just like yeah, you feel yeah. like he thought of that. Like nobody told him to do that, and he just right. did it. Yeah, like very raw and very uh, uh, just going with the flow kind of thing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, For almost sure. like a punk. It's the most punk element in that album. <laughs> right, it is, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask you what your favorite song was, but you just said, uh, I just love that song because of the, um, it's almost like, uh, kind of reminds me of U2's uh, song, uh, what is it, um, I finally found what I, I can't remember what the song's called. Only to be with you something, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, like, you know, I did all this stuff to end up with you, but then you're still not good enough, that kind of message. Yeah. Yeah. But this was like more melancholy and just with the guitar and everything was like very Johnny Marr. And yeah, yeah. The video yeah, was great. I just love the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting that you had that, you said Johnny Marr. And that's because I remember like for so long we were so big, huge fans. Me and you both were huge fans of the Smiths, like yeah. massive fans. 100%. And to this day, yeah, to this day I'm like, yo, Smiths are the most amazing band of all time. And... um and it's interesting that you made that parallel, like, oh yeah, the guitar playing was, and it is, it is. I don't, I, I wouldn't. You're right. Like, it's not 
it doesn't sound anything like Johnny Marr, but in spirit, it was spirit, a lot like exactly. Johnny Marr. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so that being said, uh, you've heard the album many times in your life. Is there mm -hmm. any song you didn't like off the album, or was it just I Love Every <laughs> Song? <laughs> Tough question. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think uh, the, the, uh, the song that took the... Um, I always thought it was... Um, Red Red One was by UB40. And right. I find out it wasn't by UB40. It was like sent from a singer that's even older than UB40. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a classic, uh, uh, yeah, classic song. Uh, Caribbean yeah. song, whatever. Yeah, Ra Neil Reagan. Diamond did yeah. it. But I, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for me, it was only, oh, I only knew the UB40 version, which makes it even more terrible. <laughs> right, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, because um, it wasn't even UB40's best song I have felt like it was like no, no, not they at had all. So much better songs than that. Yeah, that was actually their worst song. It was, but uh, it's just one of those things where it just got popular, you know, with the video and yeah. single and everything. Yeah, because um, um, I think um, when that song came out. Maybe this is how it's weird to, I guess, the way we look at it, right? Because I remember the 1994 album of uh, UB40. Uh, I can't remember the name of that album. But it had all the hits that they constantly played on MTV Asia. So I right. thought like those songs were way, way better than Red Red Wine. But I think a lot of people haven't really heard those songs or they haven't really, or they had lost interest in UB40 by then. Yeah, I mean, personally, I didn't, uh, I haven't listened to a lot of UB40. I remember one of my cousins in the UK had uh, had their albums. Yeah. And uh, I heard a little bit more when I was on uh, vacation in the in the UK. And then I was like, oh, okay, these guys are kind of different to what I thought they, they would be, you know? Yeah. Because all I knew was Red Red Wine, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, okay. So, um, go on, so let's see what's your next question. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Have you seen the film uh, Khuda Kiliye? Uh, because there's a connection to Vital Signs. But uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know what? I I have not seen that film. Like, do you know how many times people have said, "Watch that film. Watch that film." You watch have to watch film. Imran. I never watched it. <laughs> right. You know, it's even worse. Like now, now you're really gonna hate on me. What I have seen is the Vital Signs drama series. Oh God. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Taking one for the team, man. That's a true fan. <laughs> yeah, so that, I guess that makes it more terrible that <laughs> you have this amazing piece of art that's associated with Vital Signs, and then yeah. you have something that was kind of like really cheesy, stupid. <laughs> well, that I was just, was like, uh, yeah. They were just cashing in into their popularity, right? They were everywhere. Like yeah. They were in the Pepsi commercials. They had the drama yeah, series, yeah. concerts, and God knows what else, you know? Yeah, so you could totally felt it was like a really... Like, I guess that's, uh, you know, like, as uh, because we're rock fans from here, and then second of all, we're, like, super punk in our in our vibe. We're like, oh, we really hate commercial rock. We <laughs> right, both yeah. hate commercial rock. And, um, and this is the most commercial thing you can think of. Like, that time when Vital Signs were there, they were, they were like, the biggest sellouts on this planet. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Cashing in, as they say, cashing in. Yeah, yeah, and we fell for it. We we were like, yeah, yeah, I'll eat it up. Yeah, yeah. I guess we were too young, but uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I always found the interesting thing with that film was uh, Shoaib Mansour was the director who um, he actually wrote Dildil Pakistan and was the producer, one of the producers for Vital Signs 1. And right. the music of the film is done by Royal, uh, Royal Hayat. Um, oh, is it? And the film is supposedly based on uh, Junaid Jamshade's uh, change to when he became religious. So the film basically has two brothers who are in a pop band. And, right, right, right. Uh, one brother gets influenced by, um, like, you know, an Islamic extremist or whatever, and goes into that direction. The other brother right. stays with the music and goes to the U.S. to um, to music school. And at the same time, 9-11 happened, so some things happened to him. But um, it was a very smart and intelligent um, look at music and religion and, you know, whether it's allowed or not allowed or different right, views. Right, right. But it was done in a very smart way where it showed the different... Uh, views of both sides, and uh, right. I, I kind of like it for that reason. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, uh, and actually, that's uh, I wasn't going to ask you this, but I guess I should ask you this. I, uh, me personally, I've never heard Junaid Jamshid's Nasheed albums because I'm I'm not a, I don't like Nasheed. I just yeah, uh, fair enough. I yeah. think it's 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 not my cup of tea. And um, you've heard his Nasheeds. How how was his voice then? I mean, how did it? How did it fare? Uh, I'm kind of 50-50 in a sheet, so I don't say I hate them, but um, I don't bu go out and you know buy the sheets or download them. But I thought his voice was very good because he kept it very simple. And um, I, I just thought his voice was always amazing, uh, even yep. until he passed away. So... Yeah, I kind of enjoyed his... Uh, actually, his Nasheeds were my brother used to play Nabil in the car when we used to go for, um, uh, you know, like Juma prayer or uh, just coming back from somewhere. And yeah. He always had it, you know. <laughs> we used to joke because he used to make these mixes with, like, Bollywood songs, and then the next thing you'd see Junaid Jamshid Nasheed pop out of nowhere because <laughs> he liked it so much, so much that he had to include it somehow, you know. <laughs> and my sister was on a, on a trip to Wales recently, and they had one of uh, his old CDs. And yeah, yeah. you'd hear these all you know funky Bollywood songs from like way back in two thousand whatever four or five whatever it was, and then Janeja in the sheet just comes up out of nowhere. So I just thought that was kind of funny family memory. But um, yeah, yeah, I would love to hear a mixtape that Deep Cuts done. Oh, that yeah. would be my favorite thing on earth. <laughs> like, how did this guy come up with this? <laughs> exactly. Well, we got him on. Maybe we can get him on the next podcast and ask him some yeah, questions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like how would you? I I want to know what this this uh, particular uh, uh, you know uh, collection would be like. Like that would be the the funniest thing on earth for me. <laughs> right. Uh, trust me, it's funny for us too. But <laughs> yeah. as a family, but um, yeah, my sister just was. I was just cracking up when she told me. Uh, only like last week, so that was quite. Yeah. Funny. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome, man. I mean, that's uh, that's the, all the questions I had for you. So uh, flip it around and uh, over to you, man, as the as the interview. Yeah, go ahead. So you know, the funny thing is, most of the questions that you asked, I would ask the same questions. Actually, vast majority of them, just one or two that are different. Sure. sure. But I liked some of yours that were different. I was like, oh wow, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, I should. Yeah, I should make a comment. I'm glad you saw it that way because I could kind of relate to it in that way too. Right. So my first question is. When was this first time you ever heard this album? 
so I was kind of like you. I heard a f- couple of songs first before I heard the album. Um, so obviously I heard Dil Dil Pakistan because same thing, used to go to Pakistan, probably around the same year as you. Um, yeah. But I really came to my attention when I was uh, at my mom's wedding and I was the Savala in that wedding, which uh, for people who don't yeah, know is uh, the kid who kind of sits with the groom the whole way through the wedding. Like it's normally yeah, a yeah. nephew or a relative of yeah, some yeah. sort. And in the music video, they had the song Gore Ranka Zamana, Kabiho Gana Purana, etc., etc. So when the wedding video came out, I was like, huh? who's this group? And my cousins were like, wait, that's Vital Signs, the same guys who did Dil Dil Pakistan. So around 90, 91, that's when I got into the album. But I didn't like it at first, interestingly. But the funny way I got into it is really weird. Um, so we had a Super Nintendo uh, connected to our TV, but we didn't have any volume coming out. So you could only have color uh, without the volume while you played the game because I think we had a cable missing or something. So there was no volume. And Deep Cut used to play the, the, the album in the back while we were playing Mario. So we were playing Mario and this, this melancholy, ironic pop album is playing in the back. And that's how I heard. Er- <laughs> and I was Yo, like, that, wait, wait a minute. Wait. Yeah, yeah. First, I was like, what the hell is this, right? Like, I don't want to hear this album while I'm playing Mario, you know. Yeah, and it started so building on me, starting getting to me, and I, I started loving it. And I started. Yeah. And later we fixed the Super Nintendo, whatever, and, you know, but it was such a weird way of getting into an album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what that's really funny is? That's a common problem in the 90s with Super Nintendos and Nintendos that weren't of that system. Like if you have NTSC and then you have a PAL system or something crazy like that, like there was a common problem. Like you would get color, but you won't get voice or something like that. Oh, right. I thought it was just us. So other people had their problem too? Yeah. Okay. So in the background that you had Vital Signs 1 (laughs) play, that's a specific 90s kind of thing. I remember... Even the first time I saw the video, Pakistan, it was my dad had recorded it on VHS, and he would play it later again, right? And um, so I remember just, you know, my dad was like young. He was only like, I think like 10 years older than the guys themselves. I was like, oh, this is something new. This was something exciting. So he was kind of. You know, like, you can imagine, like, how a 32-year-old would, like, get into something that's for young, young people. Yeah, yeah. we're and doing it, the same thing it, now, right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, for me, that's how it was. You know, like, even as a 32-year-old, and I think we were just talking about, like, um, certain albums. And, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, like, out of the scene now. We're out of the music scene because we're not 22 anymore. Right, yeah. yeah. And so, when you hear an album, and you're, like, I think, like, the last time we were, and I were talking about Kendrick Lamar like, yo, that is a good album. Yeah, yeah. We, It was the first yeah. time I think we're, yeah. I think for me and you both, it was the first time in a long time that we connected with youth culture. Definitely, and uh, I felt the same with the Vampire Weekend, which uh, I only got into, like, uh, yeah. recently. And I just can't stop listening yeah. to it, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, so, like, you see, like, that's how the connection I make. Like, I look at my dad as a 32-year-old man, and then I was like, yo, I was young just like him, you know? Right, exactly, yeah. And it was years ago, and that, that's, I think those are, those are specifically, like, it's, 
it's a it's not an it's when you listen to that album and you go back and you go back and start thinking like how was this album really written who wrote this how did Shweb Mansur come up with this kind of thing what influenced these guys to make the music this way you know and yeah. because these guys were making the first rock album like they were the first band in Pakistan like all right let's let's see what we can do with this so kind of like a 1950s kind of feel to it yeah you're right if we were talking English music yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's a good uh, observation, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you said that at first you hated it. How has the album grown for you? Like from when you, you know, like over the years, like when you were in college and you would listen to it, or when you were started first working and you would listen to it, or when you know you got married or whatever have you. How has it changed for you in that way? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, when I was young, it was just, just a music album, which I, I liked, um, <laughs> and obviously played Mario along too. But, uh, yeah. later on, uh, I kind of started appreciating the, um, the whole album song by song. That was the first thing change that happened. Um, mm -hmm. and then, uh, just the, uh, bittersweet melancholy type of vibe of it. It's right. something I didn't really understand until I think I might have been over 20 um, when I kind of picked that up. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, like now, like with the Junaid Jamshid's passing and everything, it's even more melancholy for me. Um, right, right. But not in a bad way, but just in a kind of bittersweet way. And yeah. um, the thing I liked was Salman was involved and I'm a huge fan of Janoon and right 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 you know I play some bass guitar I just that's my favorite instrument in music and I thought his impact on the album I kind of understood it later uh, I didn't probably understand it at the time it was quite big too um, yeah but um, yeah overall just a beautiful melancholy I you know there's a, I think there's irony in there which I don't know if other people pick that up too, mm. but I feel there is, you know what I mean? Um, right. In some of the songs. I don't know. Uh, when you had just mentioned this, and I want your comments on this as well, that, um, you know, when you said, oh, it has Salman's feel to it. Did you know that Salman was kind of like, you know, I guess with Royal and Salman, there was like a big conflict going on. It's like as how they wanted to produce this particular album. You know, um, Royal Hayat had a direction, and I think uh, Salman Ahmed had another direction. And I think it was like Salman Ahmed's direction was like, "Yo, I want to really rock out, man. I just right. want to rock." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. You know, and yeah. I feel that in a lot of the songs, like Royal has really calmed him, like subdued his sound. He wouldn't let him venture out of that thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's uh, yeah, he's definitely different when he does a. Uh his post-Vital Science career. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah, have to agree. But then, there, and you're absolutely right, there's like some elements, like, you know, um, uh, I think it was the, the, the famous song about Pakistan Air Force. Yes. Yeah. So, in that particular song, you hear, you know, Salman going a different, you know, uh, 
Salon going way. a different uh, way yeah. altogether, you know? Like, you can see, you can hear, like, Salon really rocking out in that element. So, yeah. I, I uh, did you, did you, and I can see, yeah, where he, you can see, like, oh, that's his sound. That's what he was trying to make. And that's what he got. You know, how he got better. You know, I mean, I think when you listen to that particular album, you can still see elements of, like, how he's trying to imitate his idols and he hasn't really found his sound yeah i think that i think that's probably accurate he was um uh you know he was just one of the band members but um i just kind of liked even though it was subdued or whatever i think he like uh on tum milge the, the guitar is quite good you know what i mean like yeah it just from a, you can say, skill kind of level. Um, yeah, yeah. That's not that easy to play. So uh, I just kind of right, appreciate right, right. little things like that, yeah. so. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like, he was an accomplished guitarist, you oh, know. Oh, big like, time, he, yeah. You know, he knew, like, okay, this is how you make a good song. This is what you need to do. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, and you know what? That's a good way to transition to my next question. I think we've been going back to Tum Milgai. Did you feel that, what was your favorite song on the entire album? Yeah, that's the one. Um, it wasn't It wasn't when I was a kid. Uh, when I was a kid, it was a Goreran Kazamana because of that yeah. wed the whole wedding and my cousins and my family. It was all tied into that memory. But, right, right, right. Uh, you know, as I, as I hear, heard the whole album, and again, this is after I was uh, probably my twenties when Tumilge became something that I really loved, you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting how things change with uh, with time and age. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. So I guess that's that's and yeah, you're right. You're right. I think there's a melancholy element to it. Probably the most Smiths kind of sounding uh, song there is. For sure. So, um, you know what? You're leading to the next question is, what's your least favorite song? <laughs> uh, same answer as you, man. <laughs> Some John. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it didn't fit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it didn't fit the, like, if you hear every song, there's a certain theme or a way, a sound to it, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. That song was just a bit like, uh, you know, I don't want to say clown music, but it was just strange, you know. Yeah. I think that song in, in itself it really throws off the beginning of the album. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's so terrible. <laughs> right. It's the second song. So, yeah, you come across it, like, yeah. straight away. Yeah. You know, you're like the highs of Dildil Pakistan to the lows of... Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and again, you know, I don't, I don't think we're dissing the song itself or whatever, but I think it just, you know, I mean, my thing is with that particular song, like, you guys could do so much better. Seriously, that's what you guys come up with? <laughs> yeah, I know. And they came up with you know? a lot of good stuff, so they could have just yeah, yeah. left it off, you know, left it off the album. Yeah. You know what would be really funny? Like, you know, like how white people have these songs. They're like white bands, I should say, American or... Or, or our uh, British bands that these bands have is like they'll record all these songs and then there's five or six songs that never make it to the album and they'll release an EP out of it right. or like you know 
20 years down the line, they'll Unreleased. call them quote, unquote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think? Is, do you think there's anything in the Vital Signs 1 vault? Oh, that's a good question, man. Uh, there must be, because um, from my um, understanding of uh, bands and music, there's always uh, a lot more records that make the album. You know, they make uh, yeah. 30 or 40, and then they cut it down to what they want on the album. But I could be wrong. Maybe they just really did just those tracks. But I have a feeling there's probably more. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere, you and know I what I mean? Yeah. Especially throughout the years, you would think that in their entire career that they probably have some selection of songs that are completely recorded and they're like, no, we don't want to use this. For sure. For sure. I guess this becomes the mission of Islamabad Rock City to find the vital signs. We need to find this out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the vital signs basement tapes. <laughs> Gotta hit Mr. Royal Hayat on Twitter or something. <laughs> yeah, you know that's funny. I just I think we just came up with this idea. It's a lofty goal, but whatever. We'll see if we if this thing picks up steam. That would be great. Yeah. And we're gonna look for the basement tapes of vital signs. <laughs> Because I'm thinking there's got to be some stuff out there. There's got to be some there really, has really to, good stuff. I think there has to, right? <laughs> yeah. Like some fantastic stuff. Like, oh, wow, that's like, I can't believe they would, you know, that's a pretty good song. Yeah. Well, so um, leading on to my, uh, you know, next question, um, speaking of basement tapes and, you know, producers and production, mm -hmm. what did you think of the production of this uh of this particular album, like the production entirety of it? Uh, I think it's the best produced album in Pakistan's history. Right. So you really think that Royal Hyatt just hit all the highs with all the... Oh, um, big time. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, he's gone on to do Coke Studio and yep. film soundtracks, and he's very, very talented, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, I, need, uh, I also need to mention that uh, the bassist Shazad Hassan was also involved in uh, the some of the production, and uh, it, he also works on Coke Studio sometimes. Um, oh, okay, wow, wow. So, and then you had Shuaib Mansour, of course. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I thought the production was really good, um, and uh, I've never seen a better produced album uh, come out of Pakistan, in my opinion, just mm -hmm. from a production point of view. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, as far as production's concerned, it was really, he hit, like, all the highs. Like, it was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you could tell the overuse of synthesizers in there, so it's very of the times. Or it could be budgetary reasons, too, you know, like, you know, we can't get a drum player at that in 1988. Right, yeah, of course. It's not, yeah. not going to happen. Like, now you could probably get dime a dozen drummers. Oh, big time. But then, yeah, you know, like, back then, you know, you, they weren't that many great drummers around so you know i mean maybe that's why there's so much synth production in it but which you know as i got older and i started turning into more new wave um those those synth kind of sounds helped me develop but you know and i and i know you didn't go this direction and i did and we went i went like the house kind of music and things of that where you just listen to like i guess continuous loop of certain sounds and certain scratches and you're like wow that's pretty that's pretty deep that's pretty cool um do you do you listen to any particular djs just like just strictly hip-hop djs 
to be honest, I don't. Um, I have been trying to uh, see if I can find DJ Cool Herc's early stuff online somewhere. Right. Uh, so there is an interest growing now of maybe doing that, but historically, I actually didn't. Um, I mean, I appreciated um, DJ Premier and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, DJ Muggs, like, say, his collaboration with uh, Jizza. Right. Um, stuff like that, but, like, as it just in, you know, looking out for DJs and just music on its own, instrumentals. Uh, yeah, I never really got into that, to be honest. Wow, wow. Yes. You know what? I'll be honest with you, Ahmed. Like, if you get into just instrumentals, it's a whole different genre. It's a, it's a whole different scene, man. Yeah. It's like, wow, your, your love for music goes even further away. Love for hooks in certain songs, certain things, certain elements. You're like, wow, that's, I'm so glad that they can spin it in that direction. I'm so glad that they can feel in that direction. Um, I'll give you an example. One of my favorite DJs is from Japan. His name is DJ Crush. And right. um, especially, like, uh, this was, like, in the early O's and late 90s. Late 90s, early O's, mid O's. Uh, there's an influx of um, a lot of, uh, what's it called, underground rappers. And they would do a lot of collaborations with DJ Crush. And he was, like, you know, he was this guy from Japan. And he was doing the old school techniques, like, let me bring out a record and try to mix it in and try to come up with a sound just from records. Oh. So, uh, yeah, just do check him out. Uh, same. And it was so funny, in San Francisco, there was a parallel scene going that was going on in Japan, and they were doing it with DJ, uh, DJ, um, DJ Shadow and Dan the Automator. And right. Japan also had uh, DJ Honda going on. So it was like such a cool, similar, you know, separated yeah. by ge like geographical locations, but they were doing the same thing at the same time then that became a sound of that time that's pretty cool yeah i'll definitely check that out it's something i uh i missed but um yeah that's the great thing about music man you can always go back and find it right <laughs> yeah you can always go back and find it and i think you know like certain sounds and you know even 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 like the, a lot of subsequent albums came after vital science one and they were trying to imitate royals Royal Hyatt's sound. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, and uh, it was like, why would you want an imitation when you can have the original? You know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. just stuck to Vital Signs at that time. And then much later, I got into Janoon, but that's a, that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the funny thing you mentioned that, it was because there's a whole history of these guys that are just minor players. They made minor hits minor stuff and oh, it's yeah, completely yeah. lost yeah yeah. because all people remember is vital signs in Juno. and you know i mean in a way it's it's a it's a scene it's a sound it's a, it's an element that's uh it was very organic in its you know in its heyday and um that organic sound is a, is, a, is the same stuff that even as an adult, that's what I really look for. It's like, oh, wow, that's... Like, we were... You know, like, you and I were talking, we were both grew up listening to the Seattle sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that... There's so many bands... I don't want to say that they sound the same, but you get the same energy from it, right? Right, right, yeah. And it was coming from that scene. So I think we would... If we were... It would, we would remiss if we lost all these kind of... Um, 
you know, sounds and these kind of elements um, from the scene. No doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's important in a way, in a certain way that, you know, like, hey, somebody contributed something. Somebody did something. What was their, what, what drove them to do it? Yeah, I always think about that because um, music is uh, is interesting because it's there's so much going on. It's about the people making it, but it's also about the time. Uh, it's a reflection of society, um, right? You know, sometimes it's just the thoughts of one, two, five, ten people. You yeah. know what I mean? It's uh, like I always found it interesting that. Uh, Manic Street Preachers made a whole album out of their um, ex-guitarist who passed away or has been missing for 20 years or whatever. And they just took his old poems and just made an album out of uh, out of that. Yeah. So. And you know what? I'm just going to go on, on air and say this. Thank you for introducing me to Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> no problem. They are a freaking amazing band. They you know, are, like, yes. Again, you know, I mean, we uh, living on this side of you know, on this side of the planet, we don't hear, we know of the Britpop and we just think of like Blur and Oasis. But there's a lot of bands that were coming from that era. Like Radiohead was there. No doubt. No um, doubt. You know, the, uh, Manic Street Preachers, because they were like, Radiohead at that time was like third string. They're, now they're completely, they're on different levels now. They're a completely different band now. Yeah, yeah. But they were at that time in the 90s, there was a third string band. Right, yeah. They're just coming um, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, same with Manic Street Preachers. They were the fourth string band, but they just, you know, they went like Radiohead, somewhere completely different, where they're not trying to go and say, okay, I'm going to try to capture that sound again from the 90s. You no, know? They, think, uh, they change, uh, they keep, just keep changing and evolving, you know. Yeah. Which is uh, and amazing. Blur does the same thing. They keep changing and evolving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, even with Damon Albarn and Gorillaz, that is, is quite a what a big change that was, and what a great yeah. band that was too. You know. So. so you know what this was. This was going to probably be my whole other podcast. So I will save this question for you some other time. <laughs> right. But I, actually, I just give it to you right now, and then you can you know think about it, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about with me. the four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to let it fester, and one day we'll come back to this one. And I think it's something that I, I want to really discuss with you and really get the feel of it, right? Because that that's going to be a fun, for me, it's going to be a fun episode. So when we talk about these these particular three bands evolving, Oasis didn't evolve. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely going to be another podcast. I, yeah. Because uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I used to love Oasis, but I have a few things to say about them. Exactly. Uh, that's what, and that's a, yeah. I think um, I'd really love to hear your answer. Yeah, as yeah. a hardcore Oasis fan, big time hardcore. That, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting for that next level album. Yeah, and them not coming through. Yeah, I mean, uh, first song I learned on the guitar was Wonderwall. My cousin taught me. You know. Yeah. So I was a big Oasis head in the nineties, but um, uh, that's definitely a good question. We can pick that up next time. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Something would uh, we'd want to talk about Oasis. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I I like their hits. So this will give me a chance to listen to their album entirety. You know, both. I think the first two. And you know, like I, I'm just out of curiosity. sake, you know, like there's. I think they released a couple albums in the mid O's that were supposed to be spectacular, that brought them back to fame. 
mm. that I never listened to that I would I'm, I'm actually curious I'm really curious about that album. yeah I've got a few things to say about that I think it's better left unsaid for now but um yeah, right. Oasis is complicated, actually, but uh, that, that's, a, that's a good idea. We can pick that up next time. Yeah, yeah, so we'll have some fun with Oasis and see what we can come up with over there. No doubt, so, no doubt. Uh, you know, uh, going back to album productions and how bands evolve and so on and so forth, what did you think about the uh, production, uh, 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 you know, production time-wise? Like, they had started this album in 87 and they finished it in 88. And it was released in '89. What? Uh, oh, do you wonder, like, how the recording process is going on? Uh, you know, what was going on there? Did they have trouble? Was it rehearsing? Hmm. Like, it it seems like a long time. It does. Sense. It does. I have a feeling they had a lot more tracks. Um, yeah. And they had trouble finding the tracks they on the album and keeping it in a balance. Um, yeah. Because you have uh, sad songs, you have uh, obviously patri patriotic songs. Um, you just have songs like Gura and Kasamana, which, you know, it's just, there's no depth to it. It's just a kind of like a pop song. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I think they had uh, a lot of pressure on them. I think they had a, a lot of writing on this album. So they wanted to get it perfect. Um, it was literally like, if this doesn't work, everyone just has to go on different directions, uh, which actually leads me to Nusrat Hussain, the original guitarist who, um, you know, never got on the album and became a pilot and became successful. But it was literally like, if this doesn't work, uh, <laughs> everyone yeah. will have to go into different careers. So I think yeah, yeah. they just took their time. They probably tweaked and rewrote and redid a lot of things. And I guess... They must have had at least 30 tracks or so. And they yeah. cut it down to the ones that made the album. Do you know what it comes down to? And I think we both, and I was thinking about you, actually, when I watched this movie, I think, uh, did we both watch Smile together? Or you, you rec I know you recommended it to me. Smile? I don't, who's in that? Uh, the movie about, I'm sorry, I don't think it's called Smile. Or, or the movie about uh, the one of the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot the name of it. It's on Netflix. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that movie. Uh, yeah. So you know, in that particular movie, they had a lot of scenes where they were kind of like, uh, you know, this is the production. This is how production goes. They right. go kind of in depth into how production really goes, and I like. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a. Whenever I see documentaries, that's the thing that I love watching is like how productions are done. Uh, you know, uh, some kind of some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary. I was really about like, oh, how is this song produced? How did oh. they do it? You know what? If you oh. like that, uh, you should check out the Defiant ones on Netflix. Uh, especially Jimmy Iovine's um, Days as an Engineer with bands like U2, uh, right, right, right. Bruce Springsteen. They talk about some of those famous albums and what he had right. to go through to, you know, make them sound the way that they do. Yeah. So, yeah. so in that sense, you know, I always wonder what that particular recording process must have been like. Like, where did they record this album? What, you know, was it like a shack hole or, <laughs> you know, 
where was this particular studio? Because I think, you know what's really funny is they, in the old album, if you look in the inside of the cover, they have like where this album was recorded. I think, was this uh, Lip Studios in, in uh, or EMI Studios in BECHS uh, Karachi or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be Karachi or Lahore. That's the only two yeah. that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, so there was like a studio somewhere in Karachi where these guys were recording. Like, what the hell? Like, I always think, like, what was going on? Like, they're in Zalhuk's <laughs> time and they're recording a freaking rock album. Right. Like, Maybe that's why it took so long. <laughs> yeah. Probably doing it in an underground uh, bunker, you know, or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was in that studio, man? Like, I didn't even think about that. And you know what made me think about it? Well, have you ever seen the Foo Fighters documentary Sound City? Well, it's not Foo Fighters, but you know. No, I haven't seen that, but I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah. Just check it out. That is, the, again, if you really love music and how music is produced, what makes sound sound, what makes, you know, certain things beautiful and amazing, that's an album you should check out. I mean, that's a, that's a documentary you should check out. And likewise, you know, I mean, and that's what I want to see. Like, what was it in that time? They're like, yo, this is what's going to sound beautiful. This is a hit maker. Like, almost like a Dr. Dre kind of deal. Yeah. With Royal Ed. We're too far, too far removed producers. Right. Things. Yeah, that, that's interesting, man. Uh, I think we need to uh, try to find that out, maybe. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, amongst like, what, other things. What ha- yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, besides, you know, and I think you mentioned the right thing over here, that they, like, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know where they were going. Right. And I never looked at it that way. That's so interesting because they actually, you were right, the stakes were so high. They were like, if we don't make this, we are going to go back to doing freaking... Nine to five jobs, yeah, exactly, yeah. We're going to have like nine to five jobs. Like they were fighting that. Like, you know, like a guy that's um, like, uh, like anybody that's today, like people that we knew that were in music or whatever, or they had that kind of mentality. Like, you know what? As an artist, I don't want to have a nine to five job. I just want to have a job that sustains. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And again, you know, it's, um, it's, they were finding a happy medium. So I guess you're right in a way that when they did come, they just sold out big time as much as they possibly could. <laughs> well, you got to make that paper, man, or those rupees. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, you got to make that paper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> paper boy. Yeah, and uh, not to mention that Jamshed became a superstar. Yeah, uh, yeah, on his own, you know, as well. So. Yeah, he did, he did, and you know, but his did you did you ever listen to his solo albums at all? Uh, not really, but I heard a few songs here and there. Yeah, you know, in people's cars in Pakistan, or um, yeah, yeah, you know, music videos in someone's house again uh, in Pakistan yeah. while I was on vacation there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've heard like going back and forth. You've heard and seen like, oh wow, that's. Uh, that's tied into that particular sound or that particular element. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Wow, see, because I never went, like, since 96 all the way to 2007, I never went back to Karachi. So all my Kar- Karachi memories are tied into the early 90s, ah, right? Ah, interesting. So, yeah. 
So I don't have any of those, like, like it's kind of funny, like I did listen to a few Vital Signs album songs and so on and so forth in that latter part, and then it just didn't, didn't connect. I don't think it connected the way it connected when I was in Saudi Arabia. So, and yeah. going back and forth to Pakistan. So that's kind of, but I think I was listening to more English music that was, that was more relatable to that time. Yeah, I mean, it was the same for me. I heard them, but I didn't like the later albums as much as uh, Vital Signs 1. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would say the same thing, that uh, that particular, those, those, uh, those latter albums, I didn't feel it connected the way I wanted to connect. So, which leads me to my last question. And, um, uh, you know, as far as production values, and I think we were talking about, did you hear any Pink Floyd elements that Royal had really loved? And uh, did you, uh, and, I, and I think of one song, and I want to ask you, do you feel the same way too? Was Yesham, did you feel like, because it's a long song, right? Right, right, yeah. Did you feel like it was like a Pink Floyd element to it, or no? I do now, after you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, that's funny. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I can completely see that. I can see that now. Yeah, because that was the only Pink Floyd type song, because I heard Pink Floyd's The Wall uh, again, and it's, uh, you know, I was zoning in and out, and, was, and then I was kind of listening to it, and I was like, oh, wow, it's a very expensive album. I can see why someone would really love this album. And that was Will Hyatt's favorite uh, album. And you could see, like, that kind of element in there, you know, yeah. like in that Yisham particular yeah. song. So, yeah, that's yeah. the only one. And I, and I think even, like, even with Salman's guitar playing, they're they're subdued and stuff like that. But how did you feel when you were, uh, like, compared to, like, say, Dark Side of the Moon? Um, you know what? I think Dark Side of the Moon is kind of different. Right. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a, one, it's a concept album. Right. And I can see the influence, right? But yeah, I think the way I see it is um, you take any band, right? So if you take Guns N' Roses, you can see uh, Rolling Stones, right? Yeah, yeah. So every musician grows up and listens to music. And then when they yeah. make their own thing, they combine what they want to do. But it's eventually, it's always influenced about what they listen to when they grew up. Yeah. Um, in At least in a small way, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Even if they're trying not to uh, get influenced, <laughs> it's... It's ingrained in you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah, can I'd see say, the I'd connection, say, yeah. but I think it's different. You know what I mean? Different. Yeah. Um, did you? Yeah, did you feel like the album itself had a lot, a lot of Fleetwood Mac kind of elements more than, say, Pink Floyd? Uh, this is uh, my problem. I haven't heard of Fleet. I haven't heard Fleetwood Mac. Right, right. So I can't really comment on that, but I will they, definitely yeah. check them out and see. I think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of our uh, favorite thing. Just call it soft rock, right? Yeah, a genre that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I grew up listening to soft rock. Well, there's nothing wrong with soft rock, you know, Brian Adams. Yeah, you know? I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with soft rock. It's got pop elements, pop hooks to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it sounds right, it sounds right, man. Exactly, man. <laughs> That's I. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But you know, I mean. Um, 
with that particular soft rock, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, they go back and they make those kind of like really um, soft rock, melo melodic, uh, melodramatic kind of songs that the Smiths do too. But the Smiths, I don't know, I think uh, they go to a darker element oh, compared to like the Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Smiths were just uh, miserable, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is so... And my and that's my personal opinion about uh, you know um, as far as the elements are concerned. I heard more Fleetwood Mac than the Smiths, I would say. But I can see like how you know how I said like Smiths had a more darker element, but they were kind of really essentially like um, Fleetwood Mac. Ah, that's so, interesting. I'll definitely have to check out Fleetwood Mac now. Yeah, yeah. just uh, I would probably really. Really enjoyed the Rumors album. Okay, all right. I'll uh, I'll make a yeah. note of that and I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pretty cool album. You know, what's really funny is like we're two guys that are not really. <laughs> we just like listen to songs that we read or, or or music or you know like uh, magazines or books, and then we're like, oh, let's go check out that song. Let's go check out this uh, this album or that album just because we heard somebody you know say thing something about it. Right, yeah. And that's what I really like about you, like, you know, and that, and you turned me on to music, and that's kind of fun. Like, I just gave it a chance. Like, I just yeah, said, yeah. okay, let me Well, uh, you know, uh, you turned me on to, uh, like, Elliot Smith, which is, like, one of my favorite artists now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, thank and, you for that. It's just, like, I, don't, I never heard of him in the UK, and I was like, wow. Yeah. How can I not have uh, listened to this guy before? Especially if you love yeah, Beatles yeah. and stuff like that. He's just, yeah. you know, an evolution of that. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's really cool? If you check out Elliot Smith's first punk band, uh, Heat Miser, um, that is some really good punk, man. That is some really, really good punk. And I'm a huge punk fan. Yeah. You know, like I'm, like, you know what? Uh, yeah, we need to do a punk episode. Yeah, I think, I think we're ready for a punk episode. Yeah, because I'm kind of up to speed now, uh, thanks, you know, thanks to you largely over the last year yeah, or so. I've been listening welcome, to a lot of punk, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have this, um, you know, because it's a, in, I think in, in the UK, it's not that well known about this entire punk scene that was happening in the United States from, like, say, I think 1981 all the way to uh, 1988. Or, uh, yeah, and, and I would include certain, like, 89 and 90, like, the whole scene from 1982 to, say, when Nirvana really broke up broke up you know yeah. broke off and just became a monster and i'd say 91 92 like up until then there's like this entire catalog of just fantastic underproduced albums for sure for sure <laughs> and you know I, I think um and you know i mean again going back to vital signs it's like it's a very simplicity diy kind of feel that i felt with this these particular bands from 1982 to 1992 in the United States. So I, and it, again, it ties back to my first album, Vital Sun. I'm like, yo, these guys are raw. This is, they're doing something that nobody's done before. And yeah. as an 11, 12 year old to figure that out, that's pretty cool. It is. It is. It's like, uh, the, they're pop, but, uh, the punk spirit of, uh, like you just said, yeah, you know, doing something for the first time, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's what punk is about, and, rather than the music stuff. Yeah, exactly. There's so much of good punk that we missed because we weren't introduced to that. Exactly. But we yeah. got it in Vital Signs. Like that was it. That was wow. That's 
that's so crazy that you guys would come up with this idea and do this album. Yeah, for sure, man. So, uh... Yeah. So, I mean, those are the only questions. Actually, I have just one, uh, one last question. I think, uh, we can close it off from here. And we'll, yep. in this particular section, we talk about our favorite albums that we've been listening to recently. And um, I like your choices. I think you were listening to a lot of underground rap. So if you can just give me a breakdown of your favorite album that you were listening to. Uh, well, recently I uh, saw a Tribe Called Quest uh, documentary on Netflix called uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life. So I was listening to their... All their albums, and I started with the, you know, with the first one, and then I went on album by album. So that's what's recently been kind of taking my time. Um, right. Um, MF Doom's, uh, forgot the name. Um, dog food or um food? Yeah, yeah, um food. Yeah, right. Yeah, um yeah, food. I've um <laughs> uh, been listening to that. Uh, I went back and revisited um, Black Star, which is Mostaf and Talib Kweli. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been listening to that quite a lot. Um, I still am listening to Vampire Weekend's Contra, which I can't get okay. enough of, and it's been over a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good album. It's a oh, really it's solid, amazing. Good yeah. album. And I want to learn a a punk on the on the guitar too. So, uh, right. yeah. I mean, uh, aside from that, uh, checking out Wu Tang's uh, new album. Right. Uh, it's a few months old now, but um. Yeah, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, there's probably more, but I just can't think yeah, of yeah. yeah. And that's interesting that you said those albums. Um, and I had so many questions, right? Like, what do you what do you think of MF Doom's flow? I think it's great. Um, the way I came across it was, um, I think it was uh, either on the internet or somewhere I saw a little, like a mini documentary about uh, rappers and how they construct words. Yeah. And I think it's called Vox Deconstructed or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, how they use syllables and certain rappers kind of rap offbeat. And it's really yeah, di- yeah. difficult to do. And he was in that list. And uh, on Spotify, there was a playlist called the, from that uh, little documentary called Vox Rap Deconstructed. And it's got wow, Eminem wow. and it's got MF Doom, right? So that's how I cross- came across yeah, yeah. MF Doom. And his delivery is amazing. Yeah, yeah, his delivery is amazing. He is so solid. Yeah, I mean, if he had Dre behind him, he'd be like the biggest star in the world. You know what I mean? Like he. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, like you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I love Nas and everything, but this guy might even be more talented. You know. Wow! Wow! So you know what? That already gave me another idea for a for another you know future podcast is Jay Z versus Nas. That's an easy one for me because. <laughs> It's going to be Nas all yeah, day. But yeah, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I wouldn't mind. Like, I think for you, I think you should try listening to all of Jay-Z's older albums, like, you know, the Blueprint. I one. haven't, yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard, uh, I think only heard his first album, and then after that, it was just singles, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, go back and check out those albums, because Jay-Z's just ripping it, man. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's just killing it. This is like crazy next-level gangster, you know, stuff, man. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this is just... He's just because you know we, but you're right. The un, the the person that really enjoys like rhymes, like rhymes, they go always with Nas. Yeah, but, I, I like that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But Jay Z wasn't like he wasn't boxing out of his league. 
he was trying to maintain. And he was doing a pretty damn good job of maintaining. I'll definitely need to check him out then properly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's something to, yeah, just if I would love to hear your take on like, oh, wow, uh, this is, you know, Jay Z had some, mel- and I, and I was like, you, you know, like, I was like, nah, I don't really care for Jay Z. And I went back and revisited those albums. I'm like, oh my God, Jay Z was, because I think at that time, Jay Z had more pop sensibilities than Nas. Yeah, he always did, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it's easy to dismiss somebody that has like pop sensibilities, but you're like, okay, let's try to give it a fair chance and check it out. Is it really that good? Right. Well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely uh, check that out then. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Awesome, yeah, man. So, yeah. so uh, I guess uh, we should wrap this thing up. What do you think? Uh, actually, I was going to tell you my. <laughs> what oh, I sorry, I completely forgot. Yeah, you, uh, sorry. Uh, so yeah, what are you listening to nowadays? Uh, album? Um, and, 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 yeah, yeah, and I'll give you a little history. I'm listening to a punk band called Nation of Ulysses. Okay. And um, are you familiar with Discord Records? I'm not, I have to say. Yeah. Okay. Again, it's it's an American side of punk, and they had like some of the first real, um, I, I shouldn't say some first real, but they had some of the first uh, few formative punk bands in the United States. Like these guys spawned off an entire movement, right? So they came out of Discord Records. And uh, they had, like, uh, you know, bands like Fugazi. But I don't think uh, Bad, no, Bad Brains was not on there. I know Fugazi. Bad. I like Fugazi. Yeah. So they weren't on uh, Bad Brains was not on there. I think uh, some of the earlier bands that spawned, like, the entire emo movement of, like, the early, uh, to mid to late 90s, um... I think the name of the band was, the, yeah, The Rites of Spring. So uh, these guys came from that same record label. And again, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, from, from I, so you've never really heard any of these guys like Rites of Spring or uh, this kind of stuff, right? I have not. I have not. No. Yeah. So I think, I think, again, with the United States, a lot of rap and rock, it become, because it's such a big country, there's a lot of regional sound. In England, there is a lot of regional sound, and um, you don't really get to hear it, right? Unless somebody tells you about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless it gets on the charts or um, it's in a big city like Manchester or London, mm-hmm. um, you could miss it. Yeah, yeah, you could miss it. You could easily miss it. So I think, uh, in a lot of ways, that's what these bands are. Like, oh wow, this is uh, you know, um, we missed this sound, or or we were uh, you know not. We're sleeping on this sound. I think I was a. What was that? Uh, there's an album. I was like, yo, why did we sleep on this particular album? I don't know. And it was like it's a rap album in the early '90s or mid '90s. I think we were listening to very commercial side of it, and we missed some great albums in the oh, early to mid '90s. Definitely, definitely. Where we both discovered them later, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're like, oh my god, this is stuff is so good. This is so amazing. You know, like, I really hate the fact that I missed, um, you know, um, uh, what's it called? Um, it's a rapping duo. Well, actually, there's a there's a DJ and there's just a rapper, Eric B and Rakim. Yeah, me too. Me too. A gangstar, like, yeah. just like really 
well-polished albums and really well-polished, you know, rhymers, you're like, oh, these guys spawned a generation of rappers. They, they created their own sound. You know, it's a sound that many people, I think, in the New York scene were imitating or they were just like, that's the sound. That's what we're looking for. We're going to take it a whole different directions, but that's the sound we're looking for. Interesting. You know, like you can hear it in Wu Tang. Like they take, there's like elements of Gangstar, and uh, definitely there's oh, yeah, actually yeah. a lot of elements of Gangstar. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like uh, he was the first to me. He was like the first gangster rapper, man. I was like, oh my god, this guy's like, he just made so much amazing stuff. And not to say that we were listening to bad stuff. You know, I think uh, what you had mentioned, we were still listening to great Tupac albums, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I think that, I think, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but I think that would be another episode because I know I'm a big Biggie guy, you're a big Tupac guy, and we would probably do like a Biggie versus Tupac. Oh, yeah. So, you better come ready, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better come ready. You're right, right. And there's so much of that Biggie stuff that you introduced me to and and vice versa, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'd already come, I remember telling you the first time, like, yo, I love Biggie, I love this flow, and you're like, what this shit? Whack, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, you were so, obsessed yeah. with Tupac, man. I still am. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's your favorite. And, you know, you're the first guy I know that loved me against the world. And I always find that hilarious. Like, this guy <laughs> loves me against the world. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, it's, it's, uh, he's the most button-down-collared button kind of guy I know. And he looks like, yo, me against the world, my favorite album. all right man it was fun talking with you as well so uh let's do this again sometime yeah for sure so uh yeah it was great fun imran and uh this is a slum rock city where we just talk about music uh so uh this is the first episode let us know what you think and it was a lot of fun and uh i guess i'll catch you in the flip side yep yeah same again uh you know we'll uh We'll mess around with this. I, I hope that you get an outro and an intro song on your guitar because you're the only musician between me and you. Well, musician is... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, musician in progress, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I, you know what? The other thing is that I wanted to add this again before we do go, is that we do have both of us have... I have a lot of Desi rock friends. And I think, you know, because we call this podcast Labad Rock City... I want to interview my friends that really love rock music that are Pakistani and ask them like, what's your favorite album? What do you, what makes you go like, yo, that's some crazy, amazing stuff. Because I think come as, as Pakistanis, we have that there's a, there's an element that we all can share and we can all bring to that side. Like, Oh, we all love rock music. And these are the elements that we love about rock music. Because I think first of all, there aren't that many Pakistani rock fans. True. Um, you know, uh, I think, and I think it's again, but me, what me and you had discussed, we're the last generation. So, you know, the last generation of Pakistani rock fans and uh, I'd love to hear what people have to say. Like, uh, I like this album this way and I like this sound that way. Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, future episodes, I'd love to do something like that with you. And again, uh, what you had mentioned, like, uh, I'd like to bounce it amongst our friends to see like, Hey, what can you guys tell us that we can do better on this podcast? No doubt, no doubt, and eventually we will have guests and we will have a lot more content and uh, varied content, so uh, looking forward to uh, 
doing this in the future with you, man. So a uh, pleasure as always. Sure. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much, right. Ahmed. Take and care. Let's, uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll go next time, next round, see what we come up with. Cool. So signing off, this is Ahmed and Imran from Islamabad, Rock City. Thanks for listening.